the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp and Blake Alderman is here with me today. Blake, uh, we've had a couple weeks of football now, but I think the rubber kind of meets the road this week with Florida going on the road to open SEC play. Yeah, you know, not only is it the first true road test, it's obviously an SEC game. Uh, Florida has a little bit more uh, inspiration coming off of last year's game, snapping that big win streak against the Kentucky Wildcats. So I think that you're going to see a little bit it at least seems like the vibe heading up to this week is so different just because I feel like players and fans have always kind of counted this up as an automatic W each year. Um, I think uh, it really kind of shows not only last year kind of waking things up. Obviously, uh, Stoops has kind of made Kentucky a little bit more of a respectable team in years past. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty interested to see um, how they respond because there's obviously some things that they've had to work on so far in the first two games. Um, I guess, Thomas, I mean, it's... It's this the part of their schedule is starting to get real. I guess has there mm-hmm. been any change in tempo and practice that you've noticed, or anything that anyone's kind of uh, commented on as they kind of head the big bulk of their schedule? No, I don't think so. At least, at least not publicly in terms of what they're saying. Um, but I do think it was really interesting coming out of that UT Martin game. Um, Dan Mullins, for the most part, kind of been very patient with his team as he's been building this program since he arrived. And I thought really Saturday against UT Martin, I kind of noted it immediately in the post game press conference that. He was irked a little bit, you know, like even last year after they lost to Kentucky, um, I remember going into that press conference and expecting, you know, I mean, we've seen all kinds of different things. I remember Will Muschamp freaked out um, one year when they barely beat Bowling Green. Um, you know, Jim McElwain had that that infamous uh, East Carolina press conference where he's like, we should all be shit. You guys should be ashamed to come in here and write about this. Um, and, and even last year against Kentucky, Dan Mullen wasn't like that. He was very patient, um, very understanding. And I, so I thought it was really interesting last Saturday after the UT Martin game when he came in. And you could kind of tell that he was a little shorter than he normally is, a little bit more tense, a little more terse. Um, and then you find out, you know, that he, he really kind of lost it at halftime on the team in terms of just, just being very frustrated with their ability to focus on the small details. And, and it, it, without saying it, it sounded like he, he thought they did a poor job of kind of handling the, the idea that UT Martin's not as talented a team and that... It didn't matter, you know, who they were playing. They need to go out and fix the things they need to fix. So there's definitely a lot of things, I think, this week that they will have been working on. I think, like you said, it, it doesn't feel, at least to me, um, like th- like this is Florida taking Kentucky lightly at all, I would say. Yeah, you know, and I think that that has to do a lot with the last year whenever you snap that win streak. You know, Kentucky leading up to you know, that, that loss last year for Florida, you know, they've gotten pretty close, you know, and it's always mm-hmm. been, uh, I think every year we hear about what was the price of gas and whatever year that Florida <laughs> has, has uh, yeah. since the last time they lost to Kentucky. So it's kind of weird not having those little jokes there. And obviously, um, you know, I think it should be, you know, commended for what Stoops has done in Kentucky. And, you know, that they're certainly have gotten better each year, but, you know, they lose a lot of pieces from last year. So I, this is a totally different Kentucky team than last year, but it just feels like a whole different vibe. You know, I guess Kentucky's always been considered this big basketball school, and, you know, now they're kind of getting it done a little bit more on the field for football. So it's just it's it's so different than than years past for a Kentucky game. It's it's almost a little weird. I think I, I, mean, I think you said it. I mean, that's, that's really a credit to Mark Stoops and the job he's done there. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, Dan Mullen and his staff have kind of used that 
as an example, not so much like, you know, playing up the revenge aspect of like, you guys should be pissed off that Kentucky beat you last year. We need to go in there and smack them around. But more so, hey, look, they're, they're a program that's doing things the right way. You guys have seen, you used to, you know, you guys grew up when Florida was rolling over Kentucky every year. And guess what? That hasn't happened. You know, three of the last four years, we've had some really tight games against Kentucky. That's that's because they're working hard and they're doing things the right way. I think that's kind of been the message from Dan Mullen more than anything else is, hey, when we're telling you guys you need to fix these things, you need to fix these things. Um, and I think a lot of that showed up against UT Martin. You know, the one area that we've all kind of talked about is the run game and Florida's kind of inability to block up front. I think the biggest thing that they kind of worked on in practice this week was really making sure guys understand, hey, when we tell you to, you know, to go at a 45 degree angle here, it's it's not because it's convenient for you or this or that. It's because the play is designed to go that way. And if you go 40 degrees, you may be a step off and you may impact the running back. You may not get to the linebacker you're supposed to get to. So I think that's really been the focus more more than necessarily, oh, we need to go get revenge on Kentucky. But, hey, you know, we've been telling you guys these things for a couple weeks now. And, you know, it wasn't ever going to cost us against UT Martin. You know, everybody kind of knew that. But this is the week where I think Florida players are well aware that, yeah, if you don't get it done and clean up those things they're telling you to fix, it absolutely can cost you. We've kind of talked about some of the things that Florida can fix so far through their two games. And obviously it's not a big spectrum of what we've probably seen this season just going through two games. But we have talked about a couple things. You mentioned the running game. Florida's kind of struggled there, and that's probably a little bit of – um, you know, the running backs and the, and the run blocking. But are there any other things that you think that they really need to work on fo- uh, this week, at least kind of cleaning up and getting ready for a big bulk of their schedule? Well, it's going to be interesting because I think this is another game that sets up where Florida may not have a ton of success with the run. You know, you look at what Kentucky brings to the table in terms of their defensive front seven. I mean, we'll get into it more in the second half of the show when we're kind of breaking down matchups. Um, but they've got a lot of size. Uh, it's going to be tough for Florida to run. You look at the box score from last year. Florida only ran for 128 yards, you know, four, a little over four yards of carry, and that's factoring in, uh, you know, lost yardage from sacks. So this may be another game where Felipe Franks has to really throw the ball well. And unlike the first two games, um, I I think Miami and UT Martin both kind of sat back well, in a little bit different ways. Miami kind of contained the pocket and was worried about Felipe Franks running. They used a linebacker to spy on him. Um, but they never really came after Franks. I think they were worried about him hurting them with their legs. UT Martin kind of just dropped everybody into coverage. I think from Kentucky, you're going to see a mix, you know, a, a much more mix of things where Felipe Franks is going to have to prove that he can evade the pass rush. And I also think this game, probably more than we've seen for a, a, any year to date for Florida, will test the offensive line in terms of pass blocking. You know, I know we've all we've all felt pretty high on that unit, but I'm not sure they've really been tested yet, Blake. Yeah, I agree with that too. And I think that... Uh... Kind of going back to their struggles in the run game, and obviously some of that is up front. And again, I know we've mentioned it just about every last show, but uh, you know th- this was kind of the same song and dance last year with Florida's offensive line. They started to catch some fire there, but they did it against Mississippi State last year. Was whenever it was really kind of noticeable. It was a road game, so you know I think if this was a week for Florida to kind of you know get some things figured out up front and against a, a tough defensive front with Kentucky, I think that uh, you know on the road veteran team or not veteran team this is kind of the environment where you really need your offensive line you need that push because you know you keep Kentucky in the game obviously the players stay inspired but you also if you can get up early and you can jump on them and you can kind of get rid of that crowd noise that always makes you a little bit easier of a work day whenever you're on the road yeah no doubt and I think that was one of the issues last year was Florida really wasn't able to establish much in the run game and kind of get ahead in that game Um, and Kentucky kind of got life as the game went on 
I mean, Blake, let's talk a little bit about last year's game um, because obviously these are two different teams. And I think, you know, when you look at it, I think Florida last year probably, I would say maybe didn't deserve to win that game. Um, and you could argue that Kentucky, I think last year was a lot more talented than what they have this year. Um, I, one of the reasons I say that Florida really, really struggled last year without David Reese. He was out with that early season ankle injury. Um, and I think Florida personnel wise has the guys up front defensively to be much better. Um, but Blake, Florida really got gashed by the run against Kentucky last year. And I think that has to be your biggest concern. You know, if, if you're trying to figure out what's different from year to year, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that was one point that I was going to bring up was that you could really see they were hurting without David Reese there, not only from an X's and O's standpoint of, you know, kind of what he can do in the run game, and but also he's he's kind of the brains of the defense. He's the one who gets guys lined up. So I think that that's also something that obviously they felt it last year, but whenever you're on the road and you have that, you know, that veteran leadership and someone who can kind of know the defense in the back of their hands. So I think that that's a really big-time addition for them, and I think it's kind of something – completely different than what you saw last year. I think Florida really, Benny Snell last year really ate them up between mm-hmm. the tackles. And I think that Florida brings a little bit different defensive up front with just having a little bit deeper guys on the defensive line. You're not so much kind of re- waiting for Ja'Kai to polite to make a play or, you know, using some kind of speed and kind of chaos to get back there. I think that overall the body of F- Florida's front seven is, is going to make it a little bit tougher for them to run. Obviously Snell too is not, not being there is going to kind of change the dynamic you would think too, but, I think that if you look at a standpoint, Florida's probably going to trot out some freshman defensive backs this year. And I think that either way, Florida is dealing with some holes on defense from injuries and whatnot this year. So I I think it's a little bit different when you kind of flip from not having Reese in there and kind of affecting the run game. But you're still going to have some some bodies and kind of changing some things up. And I think that that's going to be where Kentucky probably attacks Florida, at least early on, is kind of trying to go after some of those freshman guys. But you know, I think that David Reese this year is kind of the biggest storyline from this year to last year. Yeah, I think that there's probably something to be said for that. The other thing I think, um, you know, Kentucky, it wasn't just Benny Snell that was really able to hurt them. Florida's pass rush, I think, last year was a lot less disciplined than what we've seen so far this year. And I think you, you mentioned Ja'Kai Plight. Um, you know, obviously a very good player on the pass rush, but tended to get lost a little bit sometimes on the edge. And then I think Florida um, kind of had the wrong personnel in there. And I think that was part of what went into last year's loss. And if you listen to Florida's coaches, they'll tell you, like, we, you know, we, we had the wrong guys in there. Um, and I think, you know, not, not to pile on to those guys, but TJ Slayton and Elijah Conliffe both started those, you know, that, those first two games last year. Um, and then Florida went with other guys the rest of the way, and they were much better. So I think Florida's front seven and, and Florida's coaching staff ha- has its front seven figured out a little bit better. Um, I was actually kind of curious. I, I'm really a, a, little, a little bummed out that Terry Wilson is not going to be able to play. Uh, not just because he's an electric player and exciting to watch, and you always hate to see a guy go down. Um, but I thought this was going to be a game where you find out whether or not, you know, Florida's defense under Todd Grantham is just going to kind of schematically struggle against quarterbacks that can run, or whether or not that was kind of a personnel issue last year. Yeah, that was another point I was going to get into was Terry Wilson. You know, he did some damage through the air, but really it was his legs that really kind of changed things up for Florida's defense. And I- I'm a little bummed too to not see. You know, can Florida respond to that or how they kind of deal with that? Just because I think from from us as, as kind of a media standpoint and kind of really studying the team, you want to see what happens when you throw someone in there like that with their legs. Um, so, you know, I, it also kind of brings a little bit more of a tricky as far as a preparation just because 
you know, you you spend some time. We talked about it last podcast that Florida was even kind of looking ahead last when they were playing T, uh, UT Martin. They were looking ahead at Kentucky, and now you kind of have to scrap some things and, and kind of go from there. And you know, I, I don't expect Kentucky to completely abandon their their game plan and whatnot, but uh, it's it's certainly something different whenever you expect one guy in there and you ha- kind of have to change your game planning, uh, so to say, and kind of maybe do some background checks on a, on another quarterback that maybe you don't have as much of a you know body of knowledge on there. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, that was one of the things I was kind of interested in finding out this week, talking to coaches and players. Because um, I know, like, Will Muschamp's staff, when he was around, they would specifically game plan out the first four games uh, well before they ever got into the season. So they had those kind of packages ready to go. Um, and, you know, as, as a coaching staff, they had already fully scouted those. I actually asked Todd Grantham about that, you know, kind of how does this staff approach it in terms of when they game plan on one side of the ball. He said they break down all of the SEC games. Um you know, before the season starts. So they've already looked at personnel, all that stuff. So obviously they had a book on Terry Wilson and, you know, how they were going to plan to stop him this year. Um, but he said it. Pro- they're probably not changing a whole lot, um, you know, in terms of Florida defensively. They're basically going to go with the same things. And obviously they've got to be ready to adjust if Kentucky does something different. Um, but I think, it, it, you know, it, from a Florida standpoint, it is a benefit not to have to go against Wilson. You know, Sawyer Smith, I think, Everybody in Kentucky seems relatively confident in him. But Wilson had the experience. You know, your lineman kind of knew how to block for him, how to extend plays with him. And now Florida doesn't have to worry about that. Um, The only other guy I kind of look at from last year's matchup, um, well, there's two. And and I'll get to Felipe Franks later because I think he's a very different player now than he was then. Um, But Josh Allen, you know, I mean, Blake, you watched that guy. I mean, that guy could single-handedly wreck an offense, no? Yeah, absolutely. You don't replace, a, I think, a top 10 draft pick. I was probably even higher mm-hmm. than that, top five, something like that. Either way, you don't replace a guy like that and not feel it. And I think that, uh, you know, that that's a guy that's a freak, and you just don't replace those guys so easily. Um, I think that if you had to kind of look at Florida's defense, and, you know, replacing Ja'Kai Polite and then replacing Allen on the other side, I think uh, Florida's got a little bit easier of a task to handle there with some of the guys they have there. Yeah, no, it's funny, too, because uh, Jonathan Greenard, obviously the guy, or Grenard, obviously the guy that came in and filled in for Polite. Uh, he's got plenty of experience playing against Kentucky after uh, being up at Louisville. I know there was a clip floating on, around online of him talking about, you know, wanting to beat Kentucky back when he was a Louisville guy. Um, so he'll be fired up. And I, I think that, again, that added familiarity, not just for, you know, guys like Grenard who have gone against Kentucky, but everybody on the Florida lineup now knows, you know, what Kentucky's capable of. They, they'll remember most of the schemes because Florida's got very veteran uh, units on both sides of the ball. I, I just think you're going to see a Florida team that is much more comfortable going into this game than when you're talking about going into year two under Dan Mullen and him and his staff really not having any sort of a gauge or a test. Florida, even already this year, I mean, they've been through Miami. They've kind of they've kind of experienced a quality team with quality athletes. I think that's going to make a world of difference. Um But, Blake, let's get into breaking down some of these key matchups after this quick break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm with Blake Alderman. We are breaking down the Florida-Kentucky matchup as the Gators get set to start SEC play this weekend on the road in Lexington. Blake, I guess first and foremost, is there anything that jumps out about Kentucky that you worry about from a matchup standpoint? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned earlier about their defensive line, and obviously we'll get a little bit more into that as we're talking now, but, you know, just the size and, you know, I think a Stoops defense is is one of those teams that you always kind of expect them to really pull out a solid defensive line. I feel like every year that I've watched Kentucky, you know, they either get it done on the recruiting trail from just kind of adding some guys, top tier guys there. They they usually pull in a lot of JUCO guys there. So it doesn't really ever seem to have any drop off on their front defensive line. And I think that if you're a Florida fan and obviously Florida in general, they're going to want to start to get this running game going. I, I think you just can't be one-sided and, and kind of let Felipe Franks win every game for you. Um, I think that this is Probably part of the the offense that they're really trying to get going is is the run game, and I'm just not sure that this is going to be one of those weeks so they can do that. Just you know, Kentucky coming in only allows 115 yards rushing. Michael Pirine has 93 yards on the season so far on 20 carries. So you know, I'm not sure that this is going to be one of those games where Florida kind of gets things going there. But I think if if you're really looking at at Florida on the road trying to get some things going offensively. I think you want to at least have some kind of capable offense as far as the run game to where you're not just completely just kind of throwing it, throwing it, throwing it. You want to bring something different in there so you can maybe throw some play action there, um, you know, kind of throw some wrinkles in there. So I think that that's the thing for Florida is, you know, I, I'm not too sure that they're going to come out and just dominate the run game um, mm-hmm. just because they haven't really shown that so far this season. And I'm not sure Kentucky's defense is going to let them do that. But I think you want to start seeing them kind of, you know, maybe take that next step, you know, start to get some things put together. I guess the best thing you want to see if, as far as a run game is just a lack of one. Yeah. That's what you don't want to see. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I think you look at Kentucky size, and I, it's really interesting to me. I'm not exactly sure um, whether Kentucky being so big will favor Florida from a from a schematic standpoint in terms of how Florida likes to block things up front or will kind of hinder Florida. Um, but Quentin Bohanna, obviously a huge guy, you know, 360-pounder. They got McCall behind him, like 370 um, you know, across the front, they've got a six nine defensive tackle. Um, you know, and and their defensive end kind of rush end. You know that ja- that uh, Josh Allen spot. Um, they've got a guy who's two eighty five. So I think it's going to be tough. I think, unfortunately for Florida, I think this is one of the games where you probably would love to have a guy like a Kadarius Tony available, where you can really kind of um, have a guy that can get Kentucky biting one way or the other, make something out of nothing, maybe on some misdirection. Um, it'll be interesting to me to see how vanilla Florida's been the first couple weeks based on how they call this game. Because um, I think I, I think this is a game where at least early you maybe draw up some wrinkles that you haven't thrown out yet just to see if you can catch Kentucky slipping a little bit. And then 
you know, as you hit some of those, I think it gets easier to operate your base offense. You know, that's that's the one thing that really Florida just has not gotten a rhythm in these first two games. And I think a lot of that is going to come down to whether Florida can, based on its play calling, kind of get guys like Bohanna, you know, Calvin Taylor leaning one way or the other on the defensive line such that they can kind of hit them with mixed direction, counter, that type of thing. Yeah, you know, and I think uh, if you're Florida and you're kind of game planning things, you know, opening up against Toledo, playing Eastern Michigan, you know, I don't think that Kentucky's really been tested so far this season. And, and not to say that Miami was this big test because obviously they, they trotted out a couple freshmen on their offensive line, but I feel like Florida has played a little bit better of a quality opponent there just to kind of know where you're at first game. You know, you're not going out and playing UT Martin out there where you just blow a team out. And then usually we go to Kentucky week where we're not really sure what kind of team is Florida going to be. I think you have a little bit better of an idea now. Um, that Florida's kind of been tested so far early on. And, and I think if you're Florida, you kind of look at a little bit of that Toledo tape just because, um, you know, kind of watching that first game, Kentucky did struggle against them for a little while. I know obviously they pulled away there at the end, but, uh, you know, I, I think that you kind of look at that and, you know, you, you want to see what Toledo did to kind of keep them in that game. And obviously Kentucky missing their quarterback there. So I think that, uh, you know, Florida's going to have to kind of look a little bit at that thing, at that tape there, and uh, you know, kind of game plan from there. And I, I obviously they've got some idea of what they're going to do, anyways, because you just said that they've you know game planned well in advance. But I think uh, it's interesting just because I think that it's a totally different Kentucky team last year, and I'm not really sure if that how much changes with their quarterback. You know, I know that you can say that you know that you don't expect a lot to change, but you know, you really won't know until you trot out there and you, you kind of take those first snaps and you see what they're going to pull out. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't want to sleep on Toledo and, and Eastern Michigan because I actually think Toledo is going to be a pretty good team this year. Um, both quality MAC opponents, so they're not they're not complete cupcakes that Kentucky's seen. Um, sure, not a UT Martin. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I do think that, like you said, I think Toledo showed some things. You know, Kentucky, I think, no surprise that they're struggling a little bit in the secondary, given all the veterans and the you know the really lengthy guys that they replaced. I think that's an area you attack Kentucky. You know, other than Jordan Griffin back there. Uh, I believe they're all sophomores and freshmen across the board in the starting secondary. Um, so, again, I, I go back to this game could look similar to last year's game in the sense that I don't know that Florida is going to be able to establish a whole lot in terms of the run. And I, I do think Felipe Franks is going to have to make some plays um, because I think if there's a spot you can take advantage of, it's that Kentucky secondary. And who knows? Maybe maybe Florida's game plan is to come out throwing and open up the running game that way, you know, kind of back Kentucky out of the box a little bit. You know, I think, you know, I hinted at it earlier, but I think one of the biggest differences in this game from this year to last year is it's easy to forget that Felipe Franks was coming off a horrible redshirt freshman season going into this Kentucky game. And by the time they lost this game, you know, he was 17 of 38 in this game and wasn't terrible. But I mean, just the consistency that we're starting to see now was absolutely not there. And I think the comfort level for Felipe Franks is a lot higher now. So to me, this is a little bit of a litmus test for Franks, you know, has he really progressed? You know, he's not going to go 25 to 27 like he did last week. Um, but I think we need to see a little bit from him that says, Hey, even if the running game can't get going against a quality opponent, I'm here. I can, you know, I can help soothe this over and come away with a, a win in a tough road environment. Do you feel like there's a key player for Florida in this game that really kind of jumps out to you? I know you mentioned that they're going to obviously miss Kadarius Toney. And I'm sure to an extent, you know, on the road, throwing out a freshman, you're going to miss C.J. Henderson too, obviously. I mean, you're going to miss your best players when they're not out there. But is there anybody that really kind of jumps out to you to kind of be that X factor for Florida in this game? For Florida, probably not. I think there's two guys I think you look at from the Kentucky standpoint and you say, okay, if Florida does a good job on these two, I think you win the game. And I think the first one is Sawyer Smith. You know, the quarterback, obviously 
Florida, I believe, leads the nation in sacks with 15. Um, has really gotten after and into the backfield. They're second in the nation with 26 tackles for a loss. So Florida is a very disruptive team. And I think if you know that about yourself as a team and you know the other team starting a quarterback that doesn't have a whole lot of experience, I think the game plan is to hit him, rattle him early. Um, the, the flip side of that is getting an early lead offensively and forcing him to press. Um, but I think defensively you'll see Florida be very aggressive. The other guy that I kind of look at is an X factor in this game because I'm not really sure the way that Florida schemes offensively that they're going to have a guy like that. Um, but Kentucky receiver Lynn Bowden, um, he's he's a really, really good player. He's an electric return man. Um, that's the guy I think if you're Florida, you're probably game planning to help for a little bit because he's extremely explosive. And I think he's a guy that can kind of turn a game on its head pretty quick if you give him the chance. I guess, man, you mentioned Felipe Franks, how he's a little bit different of a player than he was last year. I guess, what are the big things you think that have changed in his game from now to then? I think just comfort. Um, you know, we keep talking about it, but I think I think in his mind, he is 100% the starter. And I don't think he hears, I don't want to say he hears, because I, I think he's aware of what's out there. But Does I don't absorb? Think, yeah, I don't think that he... I just don't think he stresses anymore like when the fans are like, oh, we need we need Emery in. This isn't working out with Franks. I don't think he worries about that anymore. You know, I think that he has legitimately bought into the Dan Mullins message that it doesn't matter what the fans are saying. And I think Dan's, Dan's message to Felipe has been very clear. Dude, we're not going anywhere else. Like, you know, just get the job done. Listen to what I'm saying. Fix what you need to fix. I think, you know, it's just a mentality difference with Franks. And I think the entire offense is kind of fed off of that. Um and really the whole team. I mean, this is a team that, you know, even when they're not playing well sometimes, you go back to the Miami game, uh, that was sloppy, sloppy, sloppy game. But they managed to come out and pull it out when they need to. So I think that's the biggest thing. I think they've continued to buy into Dan Mullen's program. I think they're not quite all the way there yet, and that's why you saw Mullen get upset with the UT Martin game in the first half. Um, he needs to get them to take that intensity level every day. But I do think that Florida's to the point now where – they're absolutely going to take Kentucky seriously. And I think that starts with Felipe Franks and his approach to the game. And I think he's a guy that Florida can really count on. Thomas, you mentioned in our last podcast when we recapped the UT Martin game that you didn't really think it was a dire big deal that Florida was going to be most likely missing C.J. Henderson in this game. You see Kyir Elam come out and get a lot of, uh, you know, make that big-time interception in that game. I guess, do you still feel the same after you've kind of done a little bit of research on Kentucky and kind of dug in a little bit more than maybe we did last weekend? I guess, are you, are you, do you feel any differently about Florida possibly putting out a true freshman out there in, in his first start? No, I don't think so. You know, I mean, the, here's the thing. Florida has the flexibility if they play a freshman out there and he is getting burned and it's not going well. They have the flexibility to move Trey Dean around. You know, we talked to Todd Grantham. That's not going to be the plan going in. The plan is to get some of those freshmen out there, and we're not sure which one it is. I would lean towards Kyrie Elam, but it could very easily be Chester Kimbrough. I just think if those guys struggle, you can move Trey Dean. You can move Amari Bernie around. There's a lot of positional flexibility. Um, personally, I think that those guys are the kind of recruits that Florida's been needing to get more of. You know, you, you look at guys that struggled last year when they had to go in for, you know, an, an injured C.J. Henderson, an injured Marco Wilson— those were not the level of recruits that you're used to seeing at Florida that can maintain kind of the talent gap that you're used to seeing against Kentucky. And I think Kyrie Elam, I think Chester Kimbrough, and I think Jaden Hill are all guys that you don't mind putting out there as freshmen. Uh, so I feel very comfortable in that. But, you know, again, that's a process. We'll see. It, I mean, you don't hit on all those guys, and that's why you have to recruit more of those across the board. 
um, which I guess is a nice little segue here, Blake, to wrap up uh, this this week's show. <laughs> Give us the latest in recruiting. I know we haven't touched on it a lot lately with uh, Luke kind of moving over to the national desk, but I believe there's a couple guys that have some recent crystal ball predictions for Florida. Yeah, you know, trying to touch on some recruiting in there just so we don't get it lost in uh, all the team talk. Um, but Florida has had a run of crystal ball predictions on the network uh, for four-star defensive back Henry Gray out of Miami Central. He's a four-star. He's listed as a cornerback, but he will be a safety. He's recruited as a safety for Florida. And another one who's seen a run of uh, predictions um, over the last since Saturday, over the last about almost week, has been four-star offensive tackle Isaiah Walker Jr. He's out of Miami Norland High School, and uh, yeah, that's I, kind of starting with Walker first. He's a really big priority target for the Gators. They already have a guy um, in in three-star offensive tackle Jared Min- Gerald Mincy, who is kind of a guard tackle swing guy. They have some guys on the interior part of the line um, committed in Jovens John Vier, and they also have Richard Leonard as well, C- kind of a guard center swing guy. But Florida's really been looking for some true tackles to kind of fill a need at this, this cycle. Um, and Walker is exactly that. He's very athletic. He's lost a lot of bad weight. Um, he's made it to both of Florida's opening games. He was in Orlando for the Miami game, and he was also there this past weekend. He's been adamant over the last about week and a half, two weeks or so, that Florida's his outright leader. Um, we got a chance to talk to him after that UT Martin game, and Florida's still the lead. Um, he's kind of hinted as maybe making a possibly uh, earlier commitment. I don't think that that's something. The definition of soon between yeah. me and recruits is so different. I think soon I think like, man, I better like not close my computer. I better like turn on all these notifications. And I don't know that that's necessarily the deal we're going to have. I think it's um, going from a guy who is maybe thinking about making commitment sometime in December, closer to that early signing day. I, I don't think we go that far now. And I think that Obviously, that's something that can change. I think if an earlier commitment is made, it will be to Florida, but he's still keeping an eye on Florida State and Miami. Um, and I think a, probably a part of the reason why him moving that timeline up, possibly moving that timeline up, is the fact that Miami and Florida State haven't really been very good this season. And mm-hmm. I think if you're looking at those big three teams, you're seeing that Florida has a need at your position, but there's obviously um, a light at the end of the tunnel there. I think if you go out there and you see Miami, just their offensive tackles just got owned by Florida in that game. And I think that that was where you kind of start to see the tides turn. I think you saw Florida be that leader because I do think that Miami was the biggest threat for Florida there for quite some time. So I feel really good about where Florida's at there. I think it's easier right now to predict the where and not the when that will happen. Um, But as we kind of go down this track, I really like Florida there. And going back to Gray, um, Florida has a big need at safety. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast that Florida has to kind of improve their safety um, room. And I think that Gray is one of those guys that – He's a body. You know, you bring in some guys there and you need uh, some people there to fill in. And he kind of pairs well with uh, another commit that Florida has at the safety position in Rashad Torrance. Um, and again, Florida was trying to fill some need there at safety through the transfer portal and Kelvin Joseph, but that wasn't able. He wasn't able to clear admissions. Um, he's obviously going to Kentucky now and he's going to be uh, active for them next uh, season. Um, so still, Florida has a need to fill there. And I think that, uh, you know, you bring in Gray and that's another one where I don't know. I, I did expect maybe something to be quicker than what we saw as far as the commitment there. Um, I was told this past Saturday that Florida felt really good, and they thought that it could be done soon. And here we are on Thursday the following week, and Florida still doesn't have a commitment there. I think you may see him take some official visits. Um, he's mentioned Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, some out-of-state schools. Oregon has been at an official visit he's talked about. You know, I, I think all those can very well happen. He could take some official visits, but I think it's more of a matter of time before you see him commit to Florida. Um, I think at this point, 
again soon was something I was thinking maybe a couple days ago, and it hasn't quite happened yet. But I still feel really well. I still feel really good that Florida's going to find going to find his way into Florida's class going forward. And uh, the crystal ball certainly has kind of rolled things his way. I put in the first prediction on Saturday, and there's been a couple more in there. So Florida has the lead for both of those guys, and I feel really good about where Florida stands with them. Well, there you go. Those are two guys I think, obviously, that most Florida fans would love to see added to the class. You know, you talk yeah, about tackle and safety. Yeah, and you talk about potentially, you know, Florida. Maybe we'll find out how much they miss CJ Henderson this week. I, I think they're in better shape than they were last year in that secondary. But like you said, safety's a little thin, and Gray's a guy that you know Florida could definitely stand to add. Sure, and, but, and even going back to this uh, to this week going forward, uh, one guy that we expect to be back, I don't think there's been an official, you can correct me if I'm wrong, an official statement that he's back, but it's expected that Brad Stewart will be back on, this, on the field for Florida this week, and I think that's a big welcome uh, need for them just because we've kind of beat up on the safety position the last two weeks yeah, when we've recapped yeah. these games. Yep, yep. So I, I think that pretty much wraps it up for our Kentucky preview. Blake, I know we're going to have score predictions on the site, um, so if you're if you're downloading this podcast, on your drive home Thursday or on the way to work on Friday. Be sure to check that out on the site tomorrow. We will have all of our kind of position matchup by matchup breakdowns, kind of the stuff we talked about here on the site. So be sure to go check it out. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And until next time, guys, that's it for the Swamp 24-7 Podcast.